He is the creator and sustainer of all the worlds, whether those worlds are known or unknown to mankind. unclouded by hate does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice hello everyone my name is charlie you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer ce dorset and this new weekly format feels really weird but i'm gonna be trying it at least for the not too distant future to you know clear up space in my calendar to do things because i kind of got to the point where i was only recording and researching podcasts and Unfortunately, in our capitalist system, I have to make money. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe with some of the other things that's happening, that will not be as much of a problem soon. But anyway, welcome. Okay, so today, I don't like doing political topics on this show. Because I don't feel that, that it's our place to do that. But... Sarah Huckabee Sanders went on the Christian Broadcasting Network and said something that is extremely theologically problematic, and I felt that it was something that I had to address on the show. I'm not going to play the clip of her just because I don't want to get a takedown from the people at CBN who would no, undoubtedly take the episode down if they found out that it existed Basically, to summarize, she says that she feels that God chose Donald Trump to be president of the United States and that he is president because it is God's will. Um, no, and I'm not saying that because it's Donald Trump. I, I'm not. I've talked out about this when I heard people say it about Barack Obama and other presidents in our past. Th this is that that's not how reality works. That's not how life works. And that's definitely not how God works. Now I can already hear the objections coming in to my statement, and I will address them, but later in the show. I want to actually cover our bases first. So you understand where I'm coming from, and then we can have a talk about those times when you think, yeah, but didn't the opposite of that happen? So to begin with, we're going to start in the book of Acts. If you have a Bible handy and you want to read along with me, I will be reading from the World English Bible for a couple reasons. One, I actually kind of like the translation too. It's public domain, so I don't have to worry about people um, who publish Bibles coming after the podcast. You'll notice that I use the World English Bible a lot, and it's for that reason. There are actually copyright restrictions on the use of biblical text because of trans the copyright of the translations. So I prefer to try to stick with copyright-free ones when possible. 
So, in Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, Peter says, well, actually, let me just read it because it actually starts with an attribution. Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I perceive that God doesn't show favoritism, but in every nation, he who fears him and works righteousness is acceptable to him. Okay. Now, I wanted to start here because we are going to talk about not only what Peter said, but the Apostle Paul and the Apostle James, the brother of the Lord, James. And as such, many start with what Peter's talking about here and say, this passage on God not being a respecter of persons, which is how it's phrased in the King James version of the Bible, or as it says here, that God doesn't show favoritism, is referring to salvation and nothing else. That's not accurate from a strict reading of the text. And as you know, I'm one of those people that thinks that an allegorical reading of the text is all right. I often believe that we need to read these stories as metaphors or or as you know mythology, because that's how we actually get merit and worth out of the text. This is one of those places where we're talking about the plain spoken nature of what the text says. And while, yes, in this particular passage, the Apostle Peter is referring specifically to salvation, that it's not only people of a certain ethnic group that can come to God and receive salvation. In this particular verse, yes, that's what is being said. But his justification for that is an underlying principle that God does not show favoritism. God is not a respecter of persons. So when we actually turn to Paul in the book of Romans, in Romans 2, 11 through 16, notice how Paul addresses the same issue and how he justifies his position. For there is no partiality with God. For as many as have sinned without law will also perish without the law. As many as have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it isn't the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles do not who don't have the law, do by nature the things of the law. These, not having the law, are a law to themselves, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience testifying with them, and their thoughts among themselves accusing or else excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men, according to my gospel by Jesus Christ. So you see that the Apostle Paul here is addressing the same issue, that 
the law was given to the Israelites on the mount. Moses brought them down, right? Okay, on Mount Sinai. So, God does not show favoritism because they heard the law. He rewards those who follow it. So, if someone who's never heard the law follows the law, they get credit for having followed it. Even though they don't know that that's what they're doing. Okay, are you following along here? So, how does the Apostle Paul justify this position? By simply stating, for there is no partiality with God. So because there's no partiality with God, he doesn't choose to say, well, you heard what I was saying and did what I, and so you're better than those who haven't heard. Okay. Are you following along here? Both times, Peter and Paul are going back to this argument that God does not respect people. God does not show favoritism. And because God does not show favoritism, he's not going to be more favorable to those who have heard his word over those who haven't. He cares much more about what people do than who they are. Okay? Are you following? This becomes really important, okay? So in James chapter 2, verse 9. And I'm going to read this in context in a minute, but I want to read the actual text first. But if you show partiality, you commit sin, being conceived by the law as transgressors. Wait a minute. Partiality is a sin? Okay. So... Let's read this in context. Starting in verse 5. Listen, my beloved brothers. Didn't God choose those who are poor in this world to be rich in faith, and the heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Don't the rich oppress you? and personally drag you before the courts. Don't they blaspheme the horrible, the honorable name by which you are called? However, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, quote, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin, being convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point, he has become guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, and so do, as men who are to be judged 
by the law of freedom. For judgment is without mercy to him who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs against judgment. What is, What good is it, my brothers, if a man says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? And as we know, the Apostle James goes forward to say no. Faith without works is dead. Now, in context here, this is very important. He's speaking of partiality in a general context. Yes, he is talking about it in reference to sin, just like Peter and Paul in the text we've already read. But listen to his actual argument here. Partiality is in and of itself a sin. So if you favor the rich over the poor, you have committed a sin. If you favor those who have committed one sin over those who have committed others, you have committed a sin and are guilty of all. So what he is saying here is that partiality itself is sinful and is a violation of the law. Now, to us, who operate under the laws of freedom, see previous episodes about that topic, we don't have to worry so much about the law, but we should live in accordance to the spirit that Christ has given us, that we should love our God with our heart, our mind, and our spirit, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Remember, Jesus said this is the summary of all the law. So, in everything that we do, so long as we love God with all our heart, mind, and spirit, and love our neighbor as ourselves, then we are living in accordance to the law that Jesus gave us. Partiality, James tells us, is a violation of that law. You see, when we, when we show partiality, we are no longer loving our neighbor as ourselves. We are saying this one is greater than that one, which is greater than that one. That cannot happen. That is something that we cannot tolerate. These sorts of unjust hierarchies are things that we should not and cannot condone within a Christian context. So if it is a sin to show partiality and not to love one's neighbor as oneself... God does not do this because God does not sin. We'll continue this after the break. And we're back. So I can hear what you're saying right now, but this is again, just dealing with the context of sin. It's just dealing with the context of whether or not you have committed one sin and whether it is worse than another. Well, before we get into the actual meat of this, one more text I want to go to in the Bible. Let's go to Proverbs 24, chapter 24, verses 23 through 26. Let us read. These also are sayings of the wise. To show partiality in judgment is not good. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous. People's shall curse him, 
and nations shall abhor him. But it will go well for those who convict the guilty, and a rich blessing will come on them. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Okay? So, wisdom teaches us that to show partiality is not good judgment. The brother of the Lord tells us that partiality is a sin. And St. Peter, St. Paul, and St. James all agree that God does not show favoritism. All this gets wrapped up. God doesn't show favoritism. So the idea that any one of the presidential people, candidates, would have received the blessing of God is ludicrous. Anyone who believes that any one of the presidential candidates has ever been chosen by God isn't listening to the actual word of scripture. God is wise. God has good judgment and God does not sin. It is poor judgment to show partiality and thus, and a sin to show partiality. Therefore, God cannot show partiality. This is why anytime you hear someone claiming to be a prophet and speaking specifically, that that's not the word of a prophet. For no, pro no word of prophecy is subject to private interpretation. That's not how that works. And this, I think, is the great misunderstanding of religion that gets so many people in trouble, especially when it comes to Ju Judaism and Christianity. Because they think that God has chosen. They look back and think that God has shown favoritism. Well, didn't God choose Saul? Didn't God choose, I don't know, David? What about Cyrus? Cyrus is called the Messiah. Now, these words are very important because we don't use them in the same way. These were all anointed of the Lord. An anointing is not a choosing. And an anointing can be taken away, as it was with Saul. Saul was anointed king, which simply means he had the oil placed upon him. It does not make someone special. This is one of the problems with the word Messiah as it appeared in the Old Testament. It simply meant one who had been anointed with oil. Every king of Israel was anointed. Every king was a Messiah. So it didn't carry the connotations that it later would in Christianity. And those connotations come about not because Jesus of Nazareth was chosen, but because he was the only son of the living God. See, Jesus wasn't chosen because he lived a good life or because he was a good person or because he was just the right person at the right time. Jesus was God. Jesus is God. 
Thus, he is the chosen one. Because he is God incarnate. And this is the blessing of Mary's fiat. Was Mary chosen? Mary was granted the opportunity. She said yes. And in her yes, she saved all life. For through her yes, all of the Godhead, all the fullness of the Godhead came into the world and she became the blessed Ark of the Covenant who cradled God in her womb and fed him from her own life. We can talk about the Immaculate Conception. Was Mary chosen? No, Mary was made. The whole point of the Immaculate Conception is that God was setting up his coming into the world. And thus went, okay, a child will be born in this family, and that child will bear my son. That's different. That's, that's not showing partiality. That is directing the course of human events. And we can talk about, you know, providence and all of the other things that go with it, but I don't think that that's germane to the point here. The actual words that Sarah Huckabee Sanders used and that the supposedly Christians in the Christian Broadcasting Network agreed to was this idea that out of an immense field of candidates, many of whom claimed the blessing and endorsement of a God who does not show partiality because it is neither wise nor is it wholesome. It is a sin to show such partiality. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves, and for God to love some more than others would show a flaw in the Godhead. So what happened with David? Wasn't David chosen? Yes, but David was chosen by Saul. David was chosen by the prophets. See, it was Samuel and Saul who chose David. See, God told Samuel that one of the children of Jesse would probably make a better king than Saul. And so Samuel goes out and meets all the children of Jesse, and amongst them finds Daniel. And Daniel found favor in Samuel's eyes. Samuel chose David. Samuel anointed David. When you actually read the text, Samuel did the choosing. God didn't. God did not show partiality to the point where even David feared to take direct action against Saul because he felt that they had both been chosen by God and was unsure whether or not he should take such action. But that's David's understanding of things, not God's. What about Abraham? Abraham was chosen. Surely Abraham was chosen. Well, we're told that three angels entered his camp. He showed them hospitality. And in return, he, was, he became the chosen of God. Now, I ask you, 
Do you think they were the only camp that the angels entered? I mean, really think about that for just a moment. Do you really believe that out of all the people on earth, God looked down at Abraham and said, I choose you. I choo 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 choose you. You are my valentine. No. I personally, and I have no, you know, point from scripture to believe this, other than events that transpire later, where angels enter the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and find no hospitality. That God was basically looking for a hospitable place. And what you actually see in the choosing of Abraham is the rewards that come from one to one who has followed the law, one who has followed the will of God, one who loves his neighbors as himself, as wicked as the cities were, the cities of the plain that made war and ravaged the land. Abraham argues with God over their destruction. I, I would challenge anyone to find a moment where a prophet didn't make the choice. Now, I hear what you're saying. Well, what if these people are prophets? And what if one of them laid their hands on the Lord and anointed this man? Well, I still don't think that that would matter. Because again, that wouldn't be God doing the choosing, that would be a prophet committing a sin of partiality, which, especially for one who prophesies, is a dangerous thing to do. Remember, we're all to pray for the gift of prophecy, the, the Apostle Paul tells us. We are all to pray for the ability to prophesy, to speak justice into the world to speak truth, and to see with the eyes of God. So, for any of us to claim to be the voice of God is hubris. For any of us to claim that we can point to anyone and say, God has chosen them. God has committed sin and shown favoritism towards them. Oh... You better watch out. You need to be careful with that. Partiality is a sin. So we have to be very careful not to, not to attribute sin to God. And I would think for a Christian, that would be obvious. I really would. This is a topic that I don't hear discussed all that much. This is a topic that I don't hear many people talking about. And often when I bring it up to people, they look at me like you're crazy. And then I show them these passages that I showed you and they go, Oh, wow. That, that is in the book. Um, well, I didn't know that. Well, yes, you didn't know that. Now you do. And that's my purpose in doing this episode. It's not to shame Sarah, Be Sarah yeah. why do I have such a hard time saying her name? Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I think it's just a lot of syllables. 
or to shame the people on CBN who did not correct her. We want God to show partiality. We do. In our heart of hearts, we want God to look at us and say, you, you are my chosen. You, you are my blessed. You, you are the one. We want that favoritism in our own life. And so we believe, as so many before us have, that God endorses our opinions. And in that endorsement, yeah, we make a mistake. So, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate this episode, or the podcast in general, please do so. That helps out a lot. That tells the algorithm to share me with more people. If you want to connect with me, I'm Wisdom Cries Out on Twitter. You can get a link to that and all of my social media accounts over at wisdomscry.com. Thank you so much for your time and for listening. I really do enjoy doing these podcasts, and I'm hoping that my schedule will permit me to be able to go back to a daily format at some point in the future, should that be something you all are interested in. Because, you know, I like talking about this stuff. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you ever growing in wisdom. Amen. Amen.